I'll go back to what Dad said to me when he said, he goes, but how do you know that what is going on here is good? You know, really simple questions like that are very profound. You might not get an, an immediate response out of someone, but they'll think about it. They'll think about it. Well, welcome to another edition of AP's Profiles in Christian Living. My name is Mark Powell and my very, very special guest with me this morning is a lady named Anita, who has a fascinating story about coming out of the occult and all the practices therein and who is now a follower of Jesus. Welcome, Anita. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. It's awesome. Now, how does somebody get involved in the occult? Is there a... a a childhood trauma? It was there <laughs> some sort of experience? What led you into this? Yeah, it's a great question. I get asked this question all the time, Mark, because a lot of people, especially Christians, can't understand how that would happen. Um, so if I was to go back to my childhood, obviously in the beginning, <laughs> if I was to go back to my childhood, I would say that as a from my earliest memories, I was very aware of a spiritual realm. And my family wasn't Christian, so there was no one there to guide me in my interest in a spiritual realm. I was also naturally a very inquisitive child, so I was always wanting to know what was the reason why for things, you know what I mean? So I guess that interest, that understanding that there was a spiritual realm and my inquisitiveness, um, yeah, I just sort of ended up exploring these things. But because there was no one there to guide me. In fact, what they did is encourage me in my enthusiasm and my inquisitiveness, not knowing where that might lead. And so, you know, I was given books as a child, you know, that made this all possible for me to explore from the earliest times. Okay, so how old yeah. were you when this started happening? Yeah, so probably probably my earliest memories is around seven, eight, and um, I was doing seances at a very early age, actually. Um, but it was a, bizarrely enough, it was a documentary that I saw as a, as a young girl on Yuri Geller. I don't know if you, you recall. Yeah, the guy yeah. that could bend spoons. Yeah, that's right. So whether or not he could or not is beside the point. What that did for me is really foster an enthusiasm to explore metaphysical or interesting things that weren't necessarily explained. It was sort of that mysterious thing. So it started off with Yuri and then it just went, just opened up for me and, you know, the local palm reader at the market, I was always at her stall um, sitting beside her, asked, begging her to read my palm, begging her to show me how she did it. And, um, you know, Satan is very cunning, starts off being kind of a cute kind of a thing and then just as you walk through, as you move through life, it's just like, what about this now? What about that? And that just moved from one to the other as I grew up. And um, for birthdays and Christmas and any, anything was given to me to, oh, I need a, such an inquisitive child and she, this is, you know, very, it's not our thing but we're going to help her with her interest in this with no real consideration to where that would lead. So I can yeah. imagine getting into the occult is sort of like going down a slippery dip. Absolutely. You start off and there's a bit of a thrill but at a certain point you're thinking, oh, <laughs> I'm out of control here. Yeah. Where was it that you went, whoa, I'm really dealing with spiritual realities here yeah. and powers yeah. that are scaring me? It wasn't until my early 20s that 
the what I considered to be, you know, because obviously when you're a practitioner in the cult, everything that you're doing is giving you a certain amount of experiences. Otherwise, you wouldn't be hooked on it. There's something there, right? There's power. There's you can do things. They materialise. You can um, make things happen, manipulate circumstances. But it wasn't until my early 20s that I started to think something's not right here. Um, something, all the glitters is not gold. What I'm considering, what I've always thought to be good might not necessarily be as it seems. And that was a sort of a, a, a start of a journey to search for truth and what was truth. Okay. So let me drill down on that a little bit. Yeah. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that Satan masquerades as an angel of the light. Mm. At what point do you, did you think, oh, I've been deceived. Yeah. These good spirits, these good angels yeah. are actually demonic. Yeah. So it it was a gradual process and I think, you know, if I was to look back all from my childhood right through to my early 20s, there were definitely Christians dotted throughout my life and that I was, they later told me they had prayed for me. There was when I went to college, um, when I was boarding, I was placed in a in a dorm with two Christian women who would watch me do my tarot cards and they were praying behind the scenes. So I feel that, you know, along the way God had his hand on me and it was just a matter of time really until what happened when I was in England. I was in England at the time and I was part of a spiritualist church. The, the church that I was part of the home group and the small group, they became quite manipulative and they wanted to control me. Um, and I started to feel a bit uneasy about that control. So when I wanted to retreat from, from being involved in that particular church, um, the spiritual side of things started to um, turn a little bit nasty and something, the experience that I'd had previously, which was all great and fantastic and things, that started to turn a little bit. And at that point, I started to get at what I would best describe as a little um, recurring vision, which was a normal, um, my arm, it was just like a perfectly normal patch of skin on my arm would peel back, and this is just a, like a type of a, an imagination, but it was recurring, and underneath was just putrid, dying flesh. And because I was quite symbolic, I was always thinking of interpreting my signs and whatnot, I started to get this idea that all what was, you know, things were not what they seemed, and I started to explore the idea of what was possibly what I had considered truth was not truth, and that needed more exploration. And of course, the by the interesting thing was the spiritualist church at the time would encourage their members, and we could talk a bit more about what the spiritualist church believes, but they would encourage their members if they had a dilemma or a problem in their life to actually use the Holy Bible as like an oracle, kind of hold this question in your mind, flick it open, land on a scripture, <laughs> and there shall be your answer. So I did that at this particular time and it landed on, you know, you seek me and you shall find me. Um, and so I decided to go on a journey of seeking truth no matter what that would end up at, to be brave enough to actually explore the idea of truth, even if what I ended up with was contrary to everything that I'd believed. And I believe that that genuine um, search for cr for truth has ultimately obviously led me to Jesus because mm. he is the truth. Yeah, just before we get yeah, to him, because yeah. obviously he's the answer. Yeah. 
uh, I just want to backtrack a yeah. little bit because I want to ask you, there'll be some people watching or listening to this that would say, well, you know, maybe it was all in her mind, mm-hmm. you know. What would you say to that sort of person? Are there real spiritual realities? And if so, how do you, how would you describe them in terms of your experience? Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, sure. So, so if I was to explain to the Christian, um, you know, what it's like for a, a practitioner of the occult or the new age, our what you know, those people that are travelling in these paths, their experiences are every every bit as real as what the Christian is travelling down with Jesus. Like it actually happens. These things actually happens in terms of experiences. But whether or not it is good, whether or not it is true and holy and is, you know, ultimately going to lead to something that is good, um, that is the other question entirely. And that was what I was trying to dig away at to find out whether the, I had no doubt that there, these experiences were happening and that there was power, a certain amount of power in what I was doing, but was that good? And in fact, my father who came over to visit me in England came with me to one of those church services. He didn't like it and afterwards challenged me on that. He said, but how do you know that this is good? You know, how do you know? So I'm, in, I'm intrigued and I have to yeah. ask, what were those church services for yeah. a spiritualist like and what, did, what were they teaching? Yeah, sure. So the spiritualist church essentially believes that there's a realm called spirit so and that you can... Um, connect with spirit and get your answers in life, be led by spirit um, and get your answers in life to live a good life, quote unquote. Um, and it's a very old um, kind of movement. It's still very big in the UK and basically mediums would get up on the, on the at every church that they would say the Lord's Prayer, they would use the Bible, mm. yeah. Um, they believed in Jesus, not as Lord, they believed him as a very wise man and so that that's that uh, little deception. So I believe because they, you know, oh, they're reading from the Bible, this is good, you know, this is, you know, the Bible's a holy book um, but the mediums would offer deliver messages from the platform channelling um, entities to give messages to people in the church who often... Um, for the most part, were desperate to hear messages of comfort um, about the, if they were going to receive a healing, a physical healing, what their future might hold in, you know, and warnings. So, you know, it's it's quite an addictive thing to belong to something like this because you are waiting all the time for messages. You're waiting all the time to hear from spirit and you're trying to tune yourself to spirit mm-hmm. and trying to ascend higher in your spiritual understanding, you mm-hmm. know, and um, fine-tuning yourself and becoming sort of more and more spiritual, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, difficult question. Mm. Do you think looking back on those times you were possessed by a demon? Yeah, I was definitely. um, Look, I have come across people who were much more um, possessed, if you want to put it, than I was then. But there was no doubt in my mind that I was um, definitely infiltrated and, uh, yeah, definitely impacted by demons. Um, And it was getting worse. 
it was definitely getting worse. So from my earliest, the, 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 the early days of seances right through to doing tarot and um, becoming an eclectic witch and the spiritualist, it was just getting more and more and I was, but I was getting more and more heady in my experiences. So the more experiences that I was fed, it was beca- I was becoming more prideful because I was feeling that I was becoming more spiritual. Mm. Yeah. And what do you mean then it was getting worse? Well, in terms of them taking over a bit, like I felt like I was the Anita, the actual Anita was becoming less and less. It's the actual counterfeit of Christianity, right? Yeah. Um, because it's more of Jesus. It was like they were decreating you out of God's image. Exactly. So the Anita. So, you know, I remember looking in the mirror one time during that time I was like, who have you become? You know, looking at myself, who have you become? You are, there's, I don't actually like looking at you anymore, you know. So whilst I was getting more and more spiritual and I was getting fed a lot of flattering, oh, you're so talented, you can, you're channeling so well and, you know, you're hearing spirit and you're giving these amazing, uh, you know, miraculous prophetic words to people that are coming true and all of this, mm-hmm. I was feeling less and less real. Okay, yeah. so here's here's the key question: How did you meet Jesus, the real yeah, Jesus? Yeah, yeah. And what happened in terms of that break with the past? Mm. Take us through that. Yeah. So I decided that things were getting a little bit of out of control when I was living in England and a part of the spiritualist church. It was they were becoming extremely manipulative, and I decided that the best thing for me to do at that time was to break away from the spiritualist church and actually come back to Australia. Their reaction to me doing that was really severe. I was brought before their board, I was disciplined, and I was threatened and said that if you leave um, all spirit, you will lose all your power. You will lose all of your um, where you've come, where you've got to, right? So it, it was a threat, and I thought at that point, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm just not going to even care about it. if that happens. So be it. But it was actually a frightening thing to think that that everything that I'd worked towards and where I was, that spirit, quote unquote, would leave me. So I felt quite vulnerable. But I decided to come back, and I got back to Melbourne. Um, And it was a very, very dark time in my life because I felt very alone, I felt very isolated and I was very frightened that I was no longer having these spiritual... Bizarrely enough, I did feel as if spirit, the spiritual realm had left me, so I felt quite vulnerable on my own. Um, And then... Through a series of events, I met my um, met a man that I came into a relationship with, became married to him. Let's just put it mm. that way. But he um, had walked away from the Lord. He was a he grew up Christian and he walked away. And his mother decided that if her son, she was a very uh, committed Christian, she decided that if her son was to end up with me, she would be praying for me. So she prayed steadfastly for this partner that her her son was going to end up with. And I think through her prayers, um, just amazing committed woman to prayer, um, Jesus, I had three dreams, very three significant dreams. And because I was a dream interpreter as well, I placed a lot of emphasis on my dreams. These dreams just shook me to my core. And it was Jesus literally reaching out and asking me to come to him. And so I really, it was a year, it was a year of battling this idea that Jesus is actually the only way this is, you know, this is the big thing for New Ages or anyone that has um, 
that has played with this idea of subjective truth. Truth is anything that I want it to be. To be confronted with Jesus is the only way. Mm. That was a big battle for me. But finally, um, I just knew within my heart of hearts that through, you know, praying in my own way at the time um, that Jesus was who he said he was and I just gave my life to him. But that, you know, that still wasn't easy as well because there was a process then of having to um, come away from the old and give up a lot and burn stuff and all of that and renunciations. Yeah, because how important is that? Like how important is it to get rid of tarot cards? Yes, super important. Even though yeah. there might be a lot of nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, it's more than that, isn't it? It is more than that. So the, the cards themselves, the pieces of cardboard, you know, the what they're made out of don't, you know, they're not actually evil obviously in mm. themselves, but it is really reflective of the place that, that it held in my heart. If I wasn't able to give it up, you cannot serve two masters. If I believed that Jesus was who he said he is, that he's the only way, I do not need these things anymore. More. Not only that, they are um, divinational tools. Um, I took it very seriously that divination is sin and is offensive to God. So, you know, I had to burn them. I burnt them. Um, I threw uh, threw away everything, I, the books, the everything that I had collected. And it was an amazing feeling of... Um, just being part of that renewal process and just being free, literally free. Um, it was a very, very powerful step. And we see that in Acts 19. Mm. They burnt the books on witchcraft and sorcery and there's just something very significant about doing that. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good analogy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, not even an analogy, um, application because um, the total cost of the books came to some extraordinary Huge. figure. Yeah. Was that financially costly for you as well? Yeah, it wasn't that easy because, you know, you sort of play on, oh, these, these, these books are my life's collection. I've gone to over the years to esoteric bookshops. Some of them were very old, you know, so I had to I wrestled with that a little bit. The tarot cards were significant for me. I had a very – they were um, – I loved them a lot and I used them a lot and um, throughout travelling throughout Europe, um, you know, it, they were very important to me but it was, again, who is more important here and I'm just going to give everything up to to follow Jesus. That's what he's asked me to do. And so, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of wrestling but ultimately you just know that you have to do so this. So my next question's got two parts to it yeah. and they're probably complementary. Yeah. And that is... Can you describe to us really, I guess, was it a decisive moment when you come to meet Jesus? You're having these dreams. Mm. You're realising he's true. Was it a decisive moment where you turned? Um, and what role did the local church play in in that whole journey? Mm. So it w there was a particular uh, gentleman and his wife that were very instrumental for that at the time and this is very, very key, I think, to what helped me. Um, so I was exploring the idea of Jesus because I'd been having these dreams. Um, I was living up in Queensland. I didn't have a job and I was quite bored, so I decided to do some volunteer work. Part of the volunteering work required me to do some training and I went to the interview and the man um, asked me a very odd question in my interview process. He said, he paused and he said, what's your spiritual beliefs? And I, I've, at the time I thought, "That's what's that got to do with it? But um, 
Anyway, so I remember answering him and, you know, at, at the time I still considered myself to be quite a, a practitioner of the cop but I was, you know, I was struggling because I had these dreams. And when I responded to him and to tell him what my spiritual beliefs were at the time, I knew within myself that I actually wasn't believing what I was saying anymore. It was just coming out robotically because that's what I'd been saying. You know, I wasn't sure anymore. It was not sounding right. His reaction was key. He literally was not even perturbed at all. And he said, I'm a Christian myself. Why don't I, um, he come to church on Sunday and afterwards come to a barbecue with my wife and I? And I was so amazed because Christians in the past hadn't reacted to me like that in the past. And I, the fact that he just couldn't, did, didn't even worry about it was amazing to me. So I took him up on that offer. I went to his church. Oh. I loved it. I went to the barbecue afterwards and they were so welcoming and lovely and praying for me and just that kindness that they extended to me really was amazing for me to then continue go to the church and then ultimately hearing the gospel getting preached and really making that final decision to give my life to the Lord. So they had a, that was a key, key moment was the kindness shown to me by So Christians. I'm going to put you on the spot here, <laughs> okay. You're at church. Yeah. Do you remember any truths from the Bible that particularly convicted you. Yeah, definitely. And that was actually something that what it was was um was sin. Yeah, was was the idea that um we're all sinners and we need our sin God can't face our sin. We need that sin to be taken away from us before we can come before a, full, a perfect and just God. And the whole idea of sin um you know, it's actually quite offensive to anyone that is, you know, making their own way in life and creating their truth, but it really convicted me and it was it was it was fitting with where I was going anyway that all was not right, you know, that there is good and evil and there's some things that are good and some things that are not right. So sin, it was starting to hit home. But, yeah, it was Jesus is is the one, the only one to cover that sin of yours. Mm-hmm. You're a sinner. He's the only way to to make good of this mess that has happened in mankind, yeah. Mm. So that that was a that was a good message from the church and from with that sermon, and yeah, was really convicting. And I mean, okay, we know that divination. Yeah, um, God has very strong words to say. It's even an abomination to mm. him. But it's not just div- divination that is rebellion, is it? It's no. all forms of rejection. Yeah. How important was it for you to see that it wasn't just this? thing that you had your identity in, but there was other things that you had to bring before him. Can you talk about that part of your journey? Yeah. So that, so obviously the big things for me, I suppose, was um, dealing in the occult. They were the initial things that Mm -hmm. I had to get right before the Lord. But then after that was a whole, you know, God bringing up throughout the process of walking with him, well, what about, you know, this of sexual sin? Um, let's look at this now. Let's look at that. And it just it just opens up. Your eyes just get more and more opened to how, how grievous our actions are before the mm. Lord. And it's not just this and it's not just that. It's a huge amount. And mm. because it just gets so big, you know, it's that whole thing of much sinned, much much, um, much sin. Have you had the more you you understand your forgiveness? Yeah, he has been uh, forgiven much. Yeah, loves much. that's right. So you st- and you just start. I started to feel quite incredulous um, hmm. with the understanding of how 
you know, in the miry clay I was, mm. how could you have even looked at me, you know, and pulled me out mm, um, wow. and showed me that irresistible grace? <laughs> <laughs> it is an amazing thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It is incredible. Yes. Uh, Psalm 40, isn't it? You lifted me my feet out of the miry rock yeah. and set my feet on, yeah. Oh, sorry, the miry clay. Clay, and yeah. Let, and set yeah. my feet upon a rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you too did a great song about that, <laughs> 40. Um, for people that are still in the occult, mm. or there might be some young people, particularly young girls watching this, um, or, and, they're, and they're in that place where they know that they're torn. Mm. What would you say to them personally and what would you say to the church in being able to help them? Yeah, so to the especially for young girls, you know, it became it's been you know in the popular culture for a while this idea that that you can become a white witch uh, and whatever you know it is they find it quite empowering. It's something that they can go to to form an identity over, and that they've got a you know they can do this and they can do that. But you know, I understand because in a way uh, there is a connection in there. You find connection. Everybody is longing to find connection with something. Thing. And everybody wants to feel as if they've got some amount of control over their life, right? But it is not going to eventuate in an everlasting joy. There is a there is a time where there will be a knock on the door saying, "This these things that I gave you, we want some payback now." And yeah, that's quite a harsh thing to learn. It it is there's fun in the season uh, of sin for a while, and um, uh, so you're talking yeah. particularly about the occult there, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, like yeah. there's fun in the season, yeah. there's gifts, in inverted yeah. commas, that they give you. Yeah. But then you you touched on something which I want to come back to, mm. but then there's payback. There is payback. What are the things that they demand from you eventually? Yourself um, to serve them. What, right. Yeah. And what does that look like? So that, that means, um, well, let me think about that, definitely trying to recruit <laughs> into what you're doing, okay. so influencing others, you know. That so Satan in one sense is an evangelist. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, influence others to to join what you're doing um, to, you know, make it sound glorious um, and it's not just yourself anymore. So, okay, I'm get, you know, I've been giving you these things, these experiences and you've been having fun with it. Um, now go out and tell others and bring others in, in a sense. And that's to, really important to uh, Satan. It's really important. It's very important the more he can get um, for himself. And now, you know, with the occult, there's kind of these two two. Um, so it's the two sides of the path. So there's the the left-hand path, they're called the LHP, occult practitioners, and then there's the right-hand side of the path. It's the same path but two edges of the path. The right-hand paths were, would be the ones that say that they're actually doing good, you know, the quote-unquote mm-hmm. white witches, mm-hmm. whatever, and the, the left-hand side of the path are the dark practitioners um, who are intent on doing harm. Definitely, mm. yeah. Obviously, as Christ- we know that that one path leads to the same place. It doesn't mm. matter if you feel that you're doing good on it or bad, it, it'll end up in the same place unless you're on the narrow path of Christ. That Satan can tell you whatever you want to hear just as long as you stay on that, that path. What path right? were you on at that point? That I was always a right-hand side of the path thinking that I was doing good, yeah. Mm. So... 
with the left-hand side, it just gets murky and, you know, it's all murky but you don't really want to, you know, go go to and explore that because it just is just like millions of rabbit holes and very, very harsh um, area to dwell in. So I was never on that side. Mm. Um, but so when you are full of a bit of pride thinking that you're doing good, it's sometimes even harder to think, well, why should I come off it? I'm actually not harming mm. anybody or you're, doing anything In a sense good. you're even more deluded, uh, Yeah, in a way, mm. yeah, because... Um, you know, I'm doing good. I'm I'm loving people still and whatnot. Mm. So yeah. Okay, so if I can ask, how <laughs> many years ago was this that you followed Jesus? Yeah. So I have been follower of Jesus now 24 years. And what's your life look like since? Yeah. Since then. Yeah. To- like, so sometimes God has dealt with me quite. You know. Um, let's just put his put his hand on this and like let's get this sorted out now. And that's been some pretty hard lessons there. And then other times it's been just a long, beautiful time of grace and and just let's let's move through this slowly. But overall, healing and um, open my eyes, you know, and just joy. You know, it's not all it's not all smooth sailing, but just that that knowing that you have God with you that eternal feeling of uh, eternal knowledge that you know that you are safe with God and that you have an eternity to look forward to with him and that he's the truth and mm. that you could, he's trustworthy and that's something that was always missing from when I was, you know, travelling in those other paths was because I had to find my own way and I had to figure it out. I was so alone. It's whatever I wanted kind of thing and there's no... See, that's interesting because yeah. one of my favourite verses in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Uh, talks about by grace we've been saved through faith. This is not from ourselves, the gift of God, so that no one can boast. Yeah. And then it says in verse 10, uh, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to in do. Advance, yeah. What are the good works that you think Jesus has had for you to do, maybe even of late? <laughs> yeah, so I think the good works that Jesus has had in advance for me to do is just share definitely my testimony of his grace with mm. others and to encourage others to understand that God's kindness um, is, which leads to repentance, is a good thing and there will be, that is something that is very, very precious. And so I, I try and share that with people just to love them where they're at, remembering what those Christians did for me, um, not to, I didn't feel judged by them, I just felt loved by them and I remember that. that and so I feel that you know, that's a good work that I can extend in my own life towards those that um, are perhaps considering Jesus, especially if they're walking in the paths that I was walking in, but don't necessarily know how to kind of get there or Mm. can they go to a church? Can they walk into a church? How are they going to be, you know, received? Because obviously they're struggling and they're still doing these things so they just need they're just trying to work it out so yeah so give us some tips uh, <laughs> next sunday a young goth comes into church yeah dressing head to toe from black yeah. and yeah. and you just you can tell that they're seeking yeah. they were you you know 24 years ago yeah what are you going to what are you 
what are you going to do as a Christian? Yeah. What should we do as a church? Mm. It's really hard. It's almost cliche to just say, oh, just love them, right? Just love them. What does that mean? But it's true. You know, what does that mean? I think um, people often that are, you know, they're very um, uh, attuned and instinctively aware of how they appear or what they're saying, how people are going to react to it. Just be honest, you know. I think honesty is really, really key and just say, look, I don't understand really what you're doing but I want to get to know you. I want to, I want to tell me about it even, you know, what's mm. maybe not the fine details but just let me, tell me a story, you know, tell me a story because with people that travel in those in and all of us really, there's a desire for that connection, that just to be connected and just um, not feel judged. You know that again, it sounds cliche, isn't it? Don't judge, mm. but it really is about just being authentic mm. and not trying too hard. You know, and if you don't understand, just say it. Um, tell me about yourself and show a real interest. So you said mm. something there which intrigued me mm. and you said uh, you don't have to ask too many details. Or yeah. Go. Why is that? Um, so there is a scripture. I'm not very good with just remembering, you know, where scriptures are, but basically, you know, keep what is don't, mm. yeah, keep what is hidden, hidden. Don't go exploring too much. God mm. is, God doesn't, so if I was to, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable talking now about everything that I used to do and the and the way to do divination or the way to do tarot. I wouldn't do that anyway. But when you're speaking to someone in the new age, you know, maybe it's more about, you know, tell me why why you like to do this. Tell me, how, you know, how you got in, but not what you're doing. You don't need to know exactly what they're doing. See, yeah. that's really, I mean, I think you're spot on there because yeah. it does say, you know, uh, in the New Testament that, it is shameful to even mention yeah. what is done in secret. Yeah. Is there a parallel here between, say, pornography, mm. where you might be addicted to pornography, um, male or increasingly female, Yeah. Um, but to go too much into the gory details almost becomes titillating, you mm. know, and almost actually becomes a temptation in and of itself. Is that the same, do you think, for the spirituality that is associated with the occult? Yes, most it's definitely. It's almost a lure. Definitely. So, like... Even for me to say to you in this in this interview that the power was real and real things happened, that's probably as far as I go because mm. you don't want to give any glory at all to what Satan can do other than to recognise that people actually really do have real experiences. It's not an illusion. Um, uh, well, <laughs> in a sense it is. It's inverted. But what, you know, what is happening when they're doing these things and the responses and the impact that's happening is actually real. The demonic is real. The spiritual realm is real. But we don't want to go into it too much because we don't want to give, you know, all glory goes to God. Mm. We, we just want to the person to focus yeah, on the reason. You want to dig a little bit. Mm. And again, I'll go back to what Dad said to me when he said, he goes, but how do you know that what is going on here is good? You know, really simple questions like that are very profound. The, you might not get an, an immediate response out of someone, but they'll think about it. Mm. They'll think about it. Mm. Or they might have an, a response that's an automatic reaction. Of course it's good or whatever, but they still possibly think about it. Mm. These ideas. So just on that, tell me, what have you found that is so good about Jesus? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, Jesus is just my bet, you know, he's just the best friend. He's the the trusted, the most trusted friend that you can ever have. And whilst people, you will be betrayed and you will be um 
you know, let down. Jesus never lets you down, absolutely never lets you down. So you, that it's just that 100% trust that you can have in Jesus, that it's the biggest comfort to you in life. And just getting to know him and just the as you walk with the Lord, he just becomes more and more beautiful mm. as the time goes on and king and he's coming back. And that's mm. just the great hope we have as well that's coming. Okay, so you've been a Christian now, yeah. 24 years, yeah. and it all lived happily ever after. <laughs> no. No, it's not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. um, what What have you found challenging about being a Christian? Yeah, not everything. Um, you know, you have to let go of your plans, your hopes, your ambitions. You have to, you can still have desires, you can pray, but sometimes you won't hear, have an answer to prayer for a long time. Um, the battles, the uh, the persecution, um, the world will hate you. Um, you. You know, you have to learn how to stand for the Lord and mm. and that, that can be hard, you know. Mm. So. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one final question. Yeah. And thank you. I mean, so many of your answers have been um, excellent and uh, just so edifying to hear. Glad you approved, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. we're, we're fellow followers yes. of Jesus here. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to the most about heaven? I'd love to say my mansion that's being prepared, but no, um, just there'll be no sadness, no more um, grief, no more sorrow and just the presence of perfection, you know, and, and worshipping the Lord and just beauty and, yeah, mm-hmm. justice. Yeah. 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 And any final word uh, for somebody who's dabbling mm. and who's thinking, oh, well, that's just your experience. What would yeah. you say to that person yeah. at that critical crossroads? Yep. So stand at the crossroads and, you know, choose the – have a look at the paths before you. And ask yourself the question, mm. what is truth? Is is what I am looking at, is what I believe the truth? Have the courage to ask the question, what is truth? And Jesus said, if you are genuine and you want to know the truth, you will find him. Now, be brave and go on that search mm. for truth. And even more incredibly too, I mean, just as incredibly. Yeah. He says, and the truth will set you free. And the truth will set you free indeed. And Amen. it's final, underscored. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, this has been AP's Profiles in Christian Living. I hope that you've been as encouraged as I have and I look forward to seeing you next time.